can we really get everybody composting? That's what we're talking about, as well as bioplastics, recycling, and soil health on today's show. Welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host. Today is show 324 and my guest is Jeremy Lang. Who is Jeremy Lang? He is the founder and vice president of sustainability at Pella. Uh, Now, Pella is best known for their biodegradable phone cases, but more recently, uh, which was what I was interested in, was their countertop composter, Belomi. That's L-O-M-I for anyone who wants to look it up. So Pella's mission is to make everyday products and waste uh, (laughs) more sustainable, more regenerative-minded, and to help educate and inspire a global community of people who are committed to making a positive impact on our planet. And what I love about this company, and you guys know I don't often have brands on the show. You really have to be doing something very pioneering. I hate the millions of sales pitches I get. Um, but every now and then something really stands out. And why I have brought this brand onto the show is that I feel and have noticed, and many of us have talked about in the community, in chat threads, DMs, about this false positive of so many uh, tech businesses, agriculture-based businesses, telling us that we need them to save the world, feed the world, clean the planet up, eat planet-friendly, and all the rest. When we actually look under the hood, we still see things like monocropping, extractive agriculture, we see chemical inputs in the soil, uh, and we see uh, products that get created that create more waste than they endeavor to remove from the system. And Pella's different. And I really wanted to have Jeremy on the show because he really knows his stuff. He has a beautiful origin story, which we start the show with today about when the first light bulbs went off for him as a kid. And what I also really appreciated about his willingness to come on the show was that I ask tough questions around uh, the right to repair and how long units such as Lomi last and what they're doing as a company to make sure that it doesn't just become another thing in landfill that you have to update every few years, uh, as well as talking about bioplastics and the origin of the agriculture that some of the options out there come from and the really uh, tough aspect of ensuring recyclability and that it, of course, ends up getting recycled. So we don't just talk everything up and nice and pretty, but we're actually tackling some of the bigger questions and issues that come with having a product-based business in this day and age, now that we know what we know, and now that we know we need to regenerate and think in a regenerative way, if we're going to dig ourselves out of the hole we've put ourselves in. So I'm really looking forward to uh, kicking that off. 
I asked them to come up with a discount for the community who might want to try their countertop re- uh, composting machine, the Lomi, and you can have $50 off US dollars with the code LOTOXLIFE. So for our US and Canadian friends listening to the show out there, this one is for you guys. Yay. So I'll kick off that one in a sec. I just want to remind you that we have Oz Climate, our wonderful major sponsor, 10 percent off with the code Lotox Life for the whole of 2023. And I also want to tell you about a question I got around dehumidifying the other day. Uh, the question was, how do I know when I need to switch my dehumidifier on? Is it just when it's raining or is it just when I have a mold problem? And I wanted to shed some light on that. So what you should have, and we have ours stuck to our fridge, uh, can either be a digital or an analog thing called a hygrometer. Uh, the brand that I have, if you just want to make it super easy and jump online and grab it, is the Thermo Pro. And on the display screen, you can see what the current humidity is. And so I always keep an eye on it. And whenever it goes over 60%, which is when mold can proliferate, feeding on your household dust, on your clothes, uh, on your cushions, fibers, carpet, whatever natural stuff it can find to start decomposing, uh, it happens over 60% humidity. So we always want to make sure it's under 60% humidity in our indoor spaces. Uh, so what I do is I see it goes over 60, I pop our two dehumidifiers on, usually just takes a couple of hours unless it then starts raining that day. And then I'll just leave them on for the day uh, or until it stops raining. Uh, And then you will see your hygrometer uh, start to lower the humidity percentage in its uh, on its display screen. So it's a fantastic thing to have as a guide if you want to tune in more to when you need your dehumidifier. So now that you know that that's how you can do it, hopefully that'll help you know how to make the most of your dehumidifier and know when you need to use it. Oz Climate has all different sizes. You can even give them a call if you're not sure what kind of unit you need for your climate uh, or for your uh, floor plan or space, square meterage. Uh, they're super, super helpful. So 10% off Lotox Life is your code. And then of course, this month's uh, spotlight sponsor is BioFirst. And wow, it is week four of me talking about BioFirst on the show. And we have already had some incredible results from the new launch product that they have a special for us on, uh, the ultra sensitive skin rescue lotion. So you get 25% off one with the code LTL25 or 40% off with LTL40 if you buy two or more in the same uh, single order. And uh, and that's an amazing offer. It's for Australia and the US. You have uh, the links either in the show notes on my Instagram bio, or you can just Google bio first and it'll probably then prompt you whether you're shopping in Australia or America and away you go. And you just pop that code LTL25 or LTL40 in the checkout window. Uh, I wanted to actually share a personal um, use for them. So I've talked about rosacea. I've talked about eczema uh, and aggravated skin that tends to come up in hives. Just basically think angry, sensitive skin that really needs some support, some cocooning and some healing. Uh, but 
I got a heat rash. We just had a huge heat wave in Australia here uh, over on the East Coast, over 30 degrees uh, Celsius for well over two weeks. We never thought it was going to end. In our apartment, we don't have air conditioning, so we were experiencing that heat wave to its fullest. Both my husband and I got heat rash under our arms, and um, he got it on his chest as well. We applied it once, just once, next day, gone, done, finished. It was unbelievable. So add that to the list of uses and make the most of it while you just have these few days left to do so. Uh, that's all I have to share with you guys from our wonderful sponsors who help me put on this show every single week and help you make low-tox swaps a little easier on the pocket. So thank you to BioFirst and to Oz Climate. And of course, to Lomi for giving us that little one-off for their composting machine. So if you hear the show and you're really into it and you think, oh my gosh, I will try that, and you're one of our American or Canadian listeners, then Low Tox Life gives you $50 US off. Enjoy my conversation with Jeremy Lang. He was a delight to speak with, a wide-eyed optimist uh, backed by science, and I just love what they're doing. Hello, Jeremy. How you doing? Hello. Great. How are you? I'm fantastic, and I am very excited to talk all things waste today because it is a huge conundrum in our world, and I often feel like it's made to be way more complicated than it needs to be uh, simply because, um, well, I mean, we know all the reasons, but a lot of a lack of literacy, like we're not growing up with multi-generational homes anymore where the grandma's making the broth and the, like, you know, we're having to relearn uh, food frugality as something cool instead of something that poor people do, uh, which was kind of the convenience message from food marketers to get us to frown down upon being frugal and, and resourceful. Um, So I feel like there's a corner turning there, but there's still a huge amount of people that feel like composting, worm farming, waste, they just can't get on top of it. They can't figure it out. Um, But you want to be a good person. And uh, it was brilliant to learn about your work and the way that you guys are uh, trying to help people um, live more in sync with nature um, and with nature's cycles. So I want to start by asking you about uh, a story you tell about being a kid with your dad driving along in the Canadian countryside, because I think it's a beautiful way to show a moment where the lights go on, even though that don't make sense at the time when you're a kid, but it all comes back to you later, right? Okay, exactly. Thank you. Um and yes, our parents and the, their generations, they were the original zero wasters, mm-hmm. right? They, they couldn't waste. They had to use yeah. everything. So um, we'll talk more about that and how we're trying to mimic nature and help nature along. But yeah, it started when I was 10 years old. So we're driving in the Canadian prairies. It's harvest time. So it's getting dark out. We're my dad's big old white 1977 Buick and floating down the highway. And it was, uh, we, we were coming out of a valley and the horizon was like glowing orange. And we came out the valley and saw these fields on fire and the reason i remember it is because i was scared it was like an eerie feeling i'd never seen that before it's dark out the fields are on fire so i said dad what's going on and he said well the farmers they grow the flax in canada we grow it for the oil seed so they harvest the oil seed and what's left over is the the straw and the fiber in the flax straw is so strong it gets caught up in the equipment so they burn it 
And I, so as a boy, 10 year old thinking like, well, if it's that strong, it must be good for something. And he said, well, maybe when you get older, you can think of something. That's kind of always in the back of my head. What can we use this waste material for? And that's kind of how it got started on the whole waste journey and uh, trying to kind of, you know, mimic nature and help, help uh, prevent waste and uh, utilize products for, or materials. So they're not actually ever wasted. So we're always using things for their best use. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so you then go on to study in the environmental field. Uh, what, what happens when you start to realize, wow, I could, I could really come up with stuff that, that solves problems here, but also something that I'm very keen to unpack is there's a lot of corporatization and productization that seems to be taking us away from nature. I'm thinking synthetic protein factories, uh, you know, um, uh, GMO farming, like we could go on into that space where it's like the mega corporation uh, hold on what sustainability and feeding the world and all of that looks like. They all went to the same universities studying like the same <laughs> stuff. Like yes. how do you come out thinking we have to respect nature, work with it and always come back to it? Do you think that's your family roots or do you think... You know, like I'm just keen to hear. I think so. We were always taught to respect nature. Um, as a boy, I remember, you know, camping with my family and I remember packing up camp and my dad was picking up our garbage and he was picking up other people's garbage. And I said, Dad, why are you picking up other people's garbage too? And he said, well, if I don't pick it up, who's going to pick it up? So that type of mentality of like, um, you know, the little things are the big things. Mm. You know, and the buck stops with me. If I see yeah. it, I, I do yeah. think about it. Yeah. yeah, it reminds me of um, one of our, well, my favorite sayings. We talk about it a lot. It's an old First Nations saying. And, you know, First Nations people look long term, right? Seven generations. And and uh, their saying is, we are the people we've been waiting for. Like it's, there's so much in that saying, like it's not someone else. There's not a magical group of people that's going to do it. It's us. And it also gives you the confidence that, well, we can do it. You know what I mean? Like, so that type of thinking. So that's kind of how it it started. And, you know, in university, I remember, um, yeah, I studied agriculture, soil science, environmental science, and just the the some of the classes that struck me were like soil microbiology and how alive the soil is. And, you know, there are billions of microorganisms that are, you know, on the head of a pin, like how complex that is and um, how like soil is life. <laughs> I mean, if we don't have soil, none of us, plants, animals, nothing survives. So got to protect the soil. And just hearing, you know, uh, stories about sustainable uh, farms. And now we have, uh, you know, big little farmer, you know, talking yeah, more about yeah. how everything works together, nature. And it's just, uh, it's simple, but complicated, but I don't know, it's beautiful. It's nature, right? Like nature has it figured out. So anything we can do to help nature along um, using technology we like to talk about um, we we're, yeah we're trying to use smart waste technology, smart waste appliances to make it as easy as possible for keep, people to keep their food waste and even their compostable plastic waste out of the landfill. So and you know we look at leveraging technology. So the other example is we used to get oil from whales, and then we figured out how to use technology to dig into mountains to get coal. Then we figured out how to use technology to dig into the ground to get oil and gas right? For energy. And now we're figuring out technology, how to harness this power of the sun to get, you know, solar power, energy and wind and geothermal, all that stuff. So same thing that we're looking at with um, food waste, we used to put our food 
well, worst cases we put it in the landfill. We used to back in the day. We talked about it generations ago. You know, put it in back into the soil and it builds up the soil and regenerates the soil. And that you don't need fertilizer then because that's nature's fertilizer. There's never nature has never needed fertilizer until we started stripping everything out of the soil. <laughs> right? It has it figured figured out. So just anything we can do to help it along. Yeah, you could kind of say the same about um, probiotics, right? Like we never needed probiotics because we never used to strip everything out that then needed to productize and then put try and put it back in. And you could actually look at a whole bunch of examples uh, where we've done that. The extraction uh, creates opportunity, which then unfortunately creates a problem Uh which then creates an opportunity, which then creates commerce. And we have this very weird, complicated, long roundabout way of trying to make things right as humans. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And we're excited about, that's great about the commerce part of it. But now, we're, you know, we're big believers in business as a force of good. Yeah, that's it. So now like, yeah, that's kind of the way to do it. Let's make products that are actually good for the environment and create healthier habits and get us back to that more sustainable uh, regenerative nature one of the words we're using a lot it's not just sustainable like sustainable is just okay we're just breaking even how can we regenerate things and make it even better like nature does so yeah so we're excited about that as well yeah brilliant and you mentioned compostable plastics uh these have obviously come a long way uh you know my dishwashing powder is made of a sugar cane plastic container now where it used to be um probably petroleum-based, if I think of a, an old mainstream brand I used to use years ago. Um, but I'd love to hear from you having looked at the industry uh, and then become a part of it with your phone cases, which I saw you guys make. Um, what are you seeing in the advancements? And is uh, bioplastic really as good as it's cracked up to be? Are there better bioplastics than others? Is thick bioplastic still crap like is it still really hard to break down i'd love a bit of a an overview because a lot of people are super confused about them like am i doing the right thing here mm. it is confusing it's uh well let's start with plastic so plastic is an amazing material it's engineered to last forever <laughs> and the problem with it is, is we don't have a very good end of life like recycling's not working right less than 10 percent actually gets recycled um because it costs a lot of money to recycle and sort and who collects it and all of that. So um, that's the one, you know, you, you can't, it's pretty difficult to name another technology or system in the last 40 years that's got uh, more inefficient. <laughs> Everything else gets more efficient. Typically, uh, recycling is just broken. So that's complicated. So um, yeah, there is hope in biopolymers. So biopolymers can be, you know, they can be bio-based, uh, biodegradable, compostable, they're chemically made to break down in nature. So they allow it, they allow microorganisms to basically eat them. Like it's that, so that is good, but you still need certain infrastructure to handle those products. And, and um, you know, the, it's interesting because, you know, you put a piece of plastic, regular piece of plastic on soil, it might take, you know, hundreds or thousands of years to biodegrade if ever. Um, but, but, you know, compostable plastics, in the right environment, so they get under the soil, they'll actually begin to biodegrade and go back to the earth naturally. Just like the, when you talked about thickness too, like the size, we always give an example of like a tree branch is 100% biodegradable, no doubt about it, right? It's 
like sitting on, it might take years to fully biodegrade because everything, the bugs got to get it, break it down, the water, weather, you know, earthworms, everything, all part of that nature cycle to break things down. Whereas like a piece of sawdust will break down faster. It's still biodegradable. So the thickness is a big, uh, big issue, but yeah, I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, the, you can only recycle something so many times. So you're, you're kicking the can down the road because eventually you can't recycle it anymore. So it's going to end up in landfill. So the, we believe the ideal situation is use as many renewable materials as you can use it as many times as you can. Um, so we, like our phone cases, for example, we take them back and we grind them up and turn them into a second generation product and a third generation product. And then when we're done with that, goes to a compost facility, breaks down, goes back to feed the soil, grow more crops, create more biopol. Like that is the ultimate goal that we're working on. And it's not easy and we're not perfect, but it's heading in the right direction. And as more and more consumers are demanding more sustainable products, that uh, science, biopolymer science is getting better and better because people are putting more money into it because the customers are demanding it. So so we, we have seen it come a long way recently. And yeah. what is the raw material um, that is best to use for bioplastics? Because I'm like, you know, there, there are biodegradable petroleum-based uh, exactly. plastics and then exactly. I was like, right. Yeah, no, renewable... You know, any crops, they, people talk about, well, are we using food crops to make bioplastics? And that's not true. Typically, the grade to make bioplastics are, are uh, you know, it's uh, ones that wouldn't be feed grade. So kind of leftover. So that's that's not an issue. Um, the other ones, you can make it from microorganisms. So that's pretty neat. Um, when they feed on a substance, like uh, even in waste, you can get them to eat methane, which is kind of the ultimate, ultimate, the the microorganisms feed on methane, so they're keeping the methane on the atmosphere, but they create a biopolymer that can be used. So, so there are a lot of different um, technologies out there that are getting better and better as we go here. Mm -hmm. So we want to stay away from biodegradable plastic bags that are still made out of petroleum, uh, but it is okay to support uh, biodegradable, compostable bioplastics made from raw materials that are like veggies, like corn, potato, uh, sugar cane. Um, but then, like, then I worry about the way that those raw materials are farmed sometimes. Like, how do you find, because surely that would have been a big stumbling block for you as you looked to see what you were going to source to make the phone cases, right? Yes. Yeah. And it has to, and it has to also function as a product, right? Like we, um, you, you oh, can everyone the remembers the first. The world. Everyone remembers the first generation of um, straws that popped up in bars that were um, compostable, yes. and like yeah. you'd have two sips of your mojito. Yeah, and it doesn't work <laughs> exactly. And so all like, of a sudden, I mean, it's like crumbling in the. That's right. That's not going to take off. Yeah. Yeah, that's part mm. of the. You know, um, it has to be a really good product first, and and then sustainable. So that's and that's why you know, we have to spend a little bit more on our materials and, and uh, put more R&D into things. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's like the Tesla model. Tesla is an unbelievably like safe car, cool car, smart car, fast, you know, and it's sustainable like that, that type of thinking. So, and we are big believers in better. We're not perfect. We want to head it. We're not going to, if we wait for something to be perfect. Then no one's going to move forward. And so we're, trying to minimize plastics in general. We're trying to move towards bioplastics that have the raw materials that help us 
degrade those plastics more easily. Uh, how do we then change consumer habits in terms of, you know, you make all this effort to source a good raw material for your good plastic that is able to be composted and feed the soil, but then they're still in the convenience and busy mindset of, oh, I've upgraded my phone. I'm just going to put this case in the bin now. Yes. How do we fix that? Because that is huge. Yes. So um, I guess it gets back the basics, reduce, reuse, recycle if you can. Recycling's not really working. So, um, you know, we encourage people if you have a phone case and you don't need a new one, keep your old one. But we also, with our phone cases, for example, we um, had that, that was a problem. Not everyone has home compost. Not everyone has access to industrial compost. Industrial, industrial composters don't really like compostable plastic products, all of them, because yeah, because they don't know if it's compostable and they don't have the resources to read every label. So unfortunately, a lot of plastics get, they don't end their life like they were designed to end their life. It's good in food containers. And, you know, if it's getting more food waste to compost because it's in a compostable plastic bag, that's a win um, for the compost facilities. But um, so we started with, well, we believe in the responsibility economy. So we'll take our phone case back. And we started a PILA 360 program. So when we send, when you order a PILA case, we have an envelope. You get your PILA case out, and if you have an old one, you put it back in. We have an address on it. You put a stamp on it. We take it back, and we regrind it up, and we sell it as a reborn collection. And then we do that. We can do that a couple times, and then when we can't do that anymore, we grind it up and send our material to a compost facility. What? So we also believe in uh, the obstacle is the opportunity. The bigger the obstacle, the bigger the opportunity. So one of the, the just. So that was working not too bad, but we're like, realized that there was a bigger system problem, an infrastructure problem. Um, the compost facilities don't have the resources or the infrastructure to take a lot of organics waste and to take uh, compostable plastic waste. So we're like, well, what if we create a device that could help decentralize waste management, and democratize it? And what if everyone had a device in their home that could break down our phone case and any other compostable plastic? So they end their life as compost. And along the way, we discovered also how wasteful food waste was going to the landfill. That's the worst thing we can do. We talked about when plants and animals die, they're supposed to go back to the earth. That's nature's fertilizer. Mm-hmm. The worst thing we can do is put it in a landfill where it creates methane. Plus, we have to truck it to a landfill. And it's heavy and wet. And so we so we developed Lomi, which is a smart waste appliance. And it's to keep make it easy for customers or for people to, to change their habits, not even really change their habits, just to make it easier. And then to push a button, their food waste, you decrease the weight by 80%. You can see your food waste turn into, uh, we call it loamy earth. It's really high in organic matter. It's nature's fertilizer. And you can put it directly into your soil. Um, and then same, same idea with our phone case and other compostable plastic products that might otherwise not end up at a compost facility. They'd end up in a landfill. We make it made this device so now we can control the temperature, we can control the humidity, we control the mixing, we can add different enzymes to help those biopolymers break down and optimize that environment. So when they do end up in a composting environment uh, or in the soil, they break down and go back to the earth. So yeah, amazing. And people, so we we kind of segued from talking phone cases to yes. um, home compost pretty quickly there. Uh, <laughs> And I'm really glad you brought up methane because for me, um, as someone who's a hugely passionate supporter of regenerative farming, uh, you know, I feel like, again, like corporates have hijacked 
this idea that plant-based everything is better, even if it's highly processed food, even if it's packaged in petroleum plastics, even, you know, and and that you're being earth-friendly by choosing a plant-based butter, which is basically the new name for margarine, uh, you know, and I think a lot of people don't realise that methane levels are so much more concerning in a landfill context than on old Joe's farm who's doing rotational grazing down the road and, you know, creating an unbelievably biodiverse landscape um, and producing healthy food. So uh, talk to me about, um, let's talk about that methane in landfill. Do, do we know how big the problem is, roughly? They It's roughly 8% of all greenhouse gas emissions are from food waste rotting in landfill. And when it goes to, so when food waste is in landfill, it's in an anaerobic environment. So there's no oxygen and that's what creates methane. Mm. There, when, but when it is just left to like naturally go back to the earth, the plant, you know, the plant grows, it's, it, it pulls carbon out of the atmosphere and it grows and uses that carbon. When it dies, that carbon goes back. And, it, you know, it's part of the cycle. That's the controlled part. When we take, dinosaurs out of the ground <laughs> basically right and fossil fuels and put them into the air that's not part of the natural cycle when we take food that is supposed to go back to the earth and be part of that natural carbon cycle and put it into a landfill where it creates methane that's not part of the natural cycle either because you're losing out on the regenerative power and the organic matter and the natural fertilizer ability from the food scraps so that's what you're losing out on it's and and you're creating methane in landfill so it's like a double yeah. So we actually had natural carbon and methane cycles, um, but it was the act of making them unnatural uh, in these new contexts um, that that creates the problem, not the things that have always been around. Exactly. When that apple falls to the ground, it biodegrades and goes back to the earth to feed the apple tree to grow more apples. And that's all part of nature's cycle. When you take that apple and you put it in a landfill, and it, it, it's in anaerobic conditions, it creates methane. And you're so, like I said, you're not, it's, and methane is 20 to 80 times more potent than CO2. So um, yeah, so it's a big deal. And uh, yeah, we're hoping we can change that. Yeah. And so yeah. do you feel like one of the reasons the, let's, let's actually talk about the Lomi unit first, because I think people are starting to think, okay, I don't want food waste. I want solutions. And then what solution is going to fit me? Because I can't for the life of me convince every single person in an urban setting to to get a worm farm like we have. Um, it's just not everybody's bag. Uh, or maybe you don't have a porch or a balcony. And then that you know, you don't want the worms inside. You don't, people yeah, have different barriers. And, yeah, for sure. So I think it's really important to work with a way that everyone's going to find a place that they feel comfortable and confident composting. Uh, and, and so that was probably, I'm guessing, what you saw as an opportunity, the fact that so many people, especially urbanites, um, didn't feel like they had an appropriate solution. Absolutely. And we're so, well, a couple of things. We are seeing that um, we've surveyed our customers and 50% of customers have never composted before, like never tried to do it. 
and 25% have and quit because it's yeah. hard. Wow. That's so a lot of getting people. Back, yeah. Just getting back to making it easy and simple and you push a button. And the other sticky part of it is that like when you see it, our, our, some of our most popular comments are, wow, this is amazing. I can't believe it. And it, it is amazing, but it isn't. It's just science and engineering. And you know what I mean? We're just speeding up nature's process. So when you see your food scraps turn into dirt or soil or, you know, loamy earth, we call it, uh, in hours, it just clicks in. And then when you put it into your soil and see how it, you know, uh, is like a, a natural fertilizer. And it's not just new macronutrients. It's, it's micronutrients. It's organic matter. It's microbial uh, it has, it helps water, uh, your, your soil retain moisture. And we're doing a lot of cool testing, uh, taking the loamy earth material and putting it into farms directly into the soil. So, which is another advantage too, when I talked about, um, the compost facilities having trouble to, you know, they don't have the resources to, to take all these organic, all this organics waste, and they have to spend billions and billions of dollars to handle it. Well, if everyone had a loamy like device and they were ubiquitous, you like if if it's going to the compost facility, eighty percent less would be going to it because we're we're making it more dense. We're helping clean the stream, so when they get it, it's a more efficient process for them. They don't have to haul as much to get as much out, so we're saving trucks on the road, um, and we can go directly to a farm. So we can cut out the compost facility altogether and put it back in the soil. So. So that's that's what we're really excited about too that that aspect of it and you know getting to a point when you look at when these devices are ubiquitous it's, we're almost saying like is it hopefully it's going to be like before dishwashers and after dishwashers right before Lomi and after Lomi if everyone has one <laughs> yeah um, I ain't living without say, one of those ever again yeah that's yeah, how I feel yeah, about dishwashers that's right <laughs> and then uh, and then we can say well we don't have to send a truck to pick up your organics waste every week you can send it every four weeks because we know there's this it's there's this much less going or we're putting it in our backyard even better and we're not using synthetic fertilizer we're using nature's fertilizer yeah, like, yeah. i mean well so. how much fertilizer mix sells at the average home depot or mitre 10 here in australia uh every day it's hectic and it's hectic. imagine if we could be using our own scraps to generate that for sure. And the, and the, so that's what we're working on now is like um, comparing it to synthetic fertilizer because synthetic fertilizer, you know, you got to get oil and, or sorry, gas, usually natural gas and big facilities. And, and then you're creating this, you know, very energy intensive and it gets overused in a lot of cases and uh, it creates nitrous oxide. If it volatilizes, if it's spread anyway, so that's an even worse story. So, so we're trying to help with that. And then, and then again, it's just so simple. It's using nature's fertilizer, right? So simple. And, yeah. and I don't know whether you've thought of this, Jeremy, but I just thought of it. And so I'm going to share it because just in case it's useful, uh, like imagine if there was, we have this really cool app here in, in Sydney, uh, in multiple cities in Australia now. It's called the Share Waste app. And you can say that you have scraps and then someone can go, you know what, I need some. And I'll come pick them up from you. And so it creates a network. But imagine if you had all your Lomi customers um, connected to farmers saying, okay, I'm going to be at the farmer's market down the road in your city this, you know, in your suburb this weekend, hand it over and I'll take it back to the farm. And so it creates this amazing network of people. We love it. 
connecting more easily, more directly, and um, and reducing the problem of, okay, now I'm in my apartment. I don't even have a garden to use this. Uh, I don't want to get in trouble with the caretaker, just dump it downstairs. Right. Um, like that, that's it. still an issue, right? So to have like, a network would be amazing. Yeah, we were just talking about there that this morning. No, nice. thank you. Literally, we were. <laughs> and we were thinking about, uh, are there other apps out there? So we'll check out the Share Waste app. But but you you nailed it. And we talk about now, let's go table to farm. Instead of farm to table, now let's go table to farm. And we've been doing a lot of testing in Kelowna, British Columbia, where our head office and manufacturing facility is. And we take Lomi N product, Lomi Earth, and we put it on a local farm. It's called Helen's Acres. And it's a nonprofit that grows crops for the hungry. And we're comparing it to compost and to uh, organic fertilizer. And we're seeing just amazing results. It works just as well, if not better in some cases. And uh, so, yeah, we're really excited to, to, to grow that. But, but exactly what you said that we've, we've also seen other trials where like companies will have it in their kitchen and they have a list of people who want the loamy earth <laughs> mm. for their gardens or for their community gardens or, you know, that type of thing. So what you said, that share waste app. Uh, yeah. Love it. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, so much potential. And so can you talk us through, uh, do we put our scraps like bit by bit in the unit or do we collect them in a little bucket or pouch in the fridge for a few days and then do a session? How does it work? It works. We The way we use it, and I think most people use it, we literally just have a bucket uh, you can keep it in the machine or on the machine, but it's it's the Lomi bucket. And we we have ours in our sink. And whenever we're done eating, we just scrape everything in there for the day, like the, the leftover scraps. And then we put it in the machine and run it at night. And the next day we have Lomi Earth. And then we we put ours in our garage because we have snow here right now yeah. on the ground. But in <laughs> the summer, it for the spring the summer, time. Just, yeah. yeah. But in the summer, I just spread it out on our lawn mm -hmm. as a fertilizer. So, yeah. And so it's okay to keep it like in a little mini garbage bag or bin or something in your garage for a few months. Yeah, for sure. And as let long it... as it stays dry. I mean, if it gets wet, there's going to be mold, but that's good too. I mean, it's alive. You know what I mean? That's organic. That is, yeah. Well, micro, micro as someone show. who's been impacted by the more toxic strains of mold, there are really yes. friendly strains that grow. In... Most of them are ninety nine percent of them are, right? And I think yeah, we don't need to be terrified soil. of all of it. No. Yeah, no, mm. yeah, exactly. That is, mm. the soil is alive, and that's all part of it, right? Like that's yeah. So mm. anyway, fantastic. And, and what do you see for, um, that, like, what is your picture of success right now yeah. as someone in this space? Um, we are, well, we want to eliminate 10 billion pounds of waste a year. So each Lomi can process about a thousand pounds a year of food waste. So 10 million Lomis, which isn't that crazy, can save about 10, we can process 10 billion billion pounds of waste and that creates about two billion pounds of loamy earth that can be used as a synthetic fertilizer replacement or as an organic fertilizer replacement so that's a big win um that helps to save roughly we're we're working with gold standard to see if we can get a verified carbon credit because by keeping food waste out of the landfill you're avoiding that greenhouse gas emission and by creating healthy topsoil getting the organic matter back in the soil you're helping sequester carbon out of the atmosphere so that roughly, you know, each person can roughly save about 200 kilograms of CO2 savings a year, which isn't that much. But when you have 10 million of them, that's a million metric CO2. So 
So that's that side of it. And then we're also looking at like, what if garbage was optional? And we talked about, uh, there is no waste in nature. Mm. Imagine just starting to make people pay for collecting waste. And so if you then had to pay, you would be very quickly finding ways to reduce it. Exactly. And we're trying to, like humans are the only species that create waste. So what if garbage was optional? What if everything you consume from your food scraps to your food, takeout food containers, to your phone case, to your shirt, could all go in a Lomi-like device and go back to the earth? That's our ultimate goal. So that's what we're trying to do with it. And we're just getting started with, uh, you know, with smart waste technology and, and how we can build on that. It's we're really excited about it. Incredible. And so what, what is the extent of what we could put in a Lomi? It's, so you know, the food only, scraps, we made it quite tick. robust. Mm. Yeah, food scraps, big bones. It has trouble with big, large bones. So um, I don't think we get too many of that, you know. Um, and like avocado pits and that are a little bit tough. But uh, yeah, so, but yeah, you can put meat in there and kind of. And veggie scraps, scraps, everything, yeah. dairy. So a lot of those things people find really tricky in worm farms and, and standard compost. Yeah. So that's good. Citrus peels, everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Nice. It's neat because like, I mean, uh, like I said, it, if plants and animals, when they die, could not go back to the earth, nature would not work. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, I mean, <laughs> you have to spread it out, right? Like, I mean, but like, it's almost, you can't pour you have to dilute it about 10 to one to put on soil because it's but it's just like you can't put pure fertilizer onto a spot or or even compost you have to spread it out so that's the only thing but uh but yeah you can take pretty much anything so other than big bones incredible we're working on a better grinder for that too so we'll see oh nice nice and i'm sure being the waste uh waste-minded person that you are uh, it would be like attachment upgrades rather than having to buy a whole new unit, right? Because that's a well, whole other part of things. That's right. You know, we, it's hectic how... It is hard, yeah. We all have to start again. Um, but I understand that that's one of the downsides of uh, technological advancement, right? So That's right. Mm. Uh, you know, well, I get, we, you know, the, the right to repair, we're trying to do that as much as possible. So if something like if your fan gives out, we send you a fan and it's literally like ch- changing a battery instead of sending a whole unit, the units that we get back for some reason, we refurbish them and we donate them to nonprofits. We've been doing a learn with Lomi program. So we're sending out to a thousand schools to get children to learn about, uh, composting and keeping food waste out of the landfill and all that stuff. So that's pretty cool. Incredible need effects with that so yeah and and local cafes like uh, are you noticing some professional uh business uptake as well yes a lot of chefs are really uh interested in it we've done some uh uh, podcast and and uh, instagram stories with chefs and they support it because it's very you know as a chef you're like it's very there's a lot of waste but it's not waste no it's a very valuable natural resource like, so we got to treat it that way. And um, said anything we can do to make it easier to keep it out of the landfill and get it back into the soil is a win. Mm. And yeah. can people buy different sized units for different capacity desires? Or is that something? In the uh, we're working on it. Yeah. So we just have Lomi One. We did a crowdfunding campaign in 2021, April. And it ended up being, we were thinking, oh, if we sell 5,000 units, like that is like crazy. Well, we ended up pre-selling 22,000 units. Wow. That's amazing. And so it people ended up being, clearly want it. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it ended up being the largest crowdfunding campaign of the year. And I think the largest environmental technology one ever. So, 
and since then we've shipped over 120,000 units and we just started shipping a year ago. So version one is like, that's what we have, but we're working on version two and three and smaller and larger and smarter and all that stuff. So, so stay tuned. For that. Well, but, I am excited yeah. to see where it goes. And I just want to thank you for being a part of the business aspect of the environmental um, solutions, but actually being one that is emulating natural cycles because so much of what we're seeing in climate change space is actually working against natural cycles and it is doing the head in of a lot of people out there. And so to know that we can support companies like yours is awesome. So thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, it's great speaking with you. Thanks for having me. And that is today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. A reminder, we have so many fantastic shows in our archives these days. If this particular topic was helpful to you, head over to lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast and click on the podcast directory, which gives you food, body, home, mind, and environmental health topics segmented so you can see all the shows that we've done in all of those areas and head straight to what you want. A reminder, we also have 10 fabulous e-courses that I've written with various doctors, naturopaths, health professionals, and experts over the years to support you on your low-tox journey, whether it's making daily swaps, getting ready to make babies, looking after your inflammation, you can hit the courses tab on lowtoxlife.com to explore those. And lastly, I would love to meet you on socials. Go and head over to at lowtoxlife on Instagram or find us on Facebook. It's always such a pleasure to chat and see how you guys are going when you share favorite shows and share them with your friends. I absolutely love that. A little reminder, of course, that all of our shows are not intended as medical advice. They are intended to open the minds and hearts of people and maybe help you explore something you hadn't considered yet, but please always check in with your health professional. And one last little request, if you have time to leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast, that would just mean the world to me because it helps us get out there and have other people have confidence that that thing they're considering pressing play on is absolutely worth it. I'll catch you for the next show you tune into. Thanks for joining me again. This is Alex Stewart, founder of Lotox Life.